Hello and welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. It's a special Friday show, the morning after, the night before. Jesse Parker Humphreys joins us live from Barcelona. Me and producer Becky are in the studio. Jesse, how are you feeling, pal? Uh, yeah, I feel, I feel better than I thought I was going to feel. Okay. I'm not hungover and I'm not that sad. So I think that's a win, you know? Wow, that is a win. That is, that's a real win. Um, did the you shock. <laughs> You're not hungover. <laughs> well, you did tell us after the final whistle. I mean, we're obviously going to get into it very shortly. But I do think I could tell from your WhatsApps that you you were very, you know, feeling proud. Um, and, and that's kind of that was the overarching emotion. But you were also very ready for some beers. So that's why I think not being hungover is probably the most surprising element of this whole conversation. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I did have some beers, but um, a, a, good, a normal amount of beers. Uh, I think because I didn't drink before the game. That was the mm. key. That, that, I recommend couldn't. that to everyone. Because I couldn't. I would be hungover <laughs> if it wasn't for Barcelona banning alcohol even outside their stadium. Fuming. Absolutely fuming. Absolutely fuming. What were the overall vibes like around the city? Because... There were obviously over 70,000 there last night and people do come out when Barca play in the camp now. So, yeah, what were the, it, was it one of those ones where you, like, people in the city, you could tell there was a big women's game or could, did you not really get that vibe until you got to the ground? No, like, I was walking down Arc de Triomphe in, like, the morning and there were, like, loads of women with Barcelona shirts with, like, players' names on their backs. Um, so, yeah, I think you could definitely tell that like people were in town and people were ready for the game. And then uh, I got there to see like the Barca bus arrive, which is like always amazing. Um, the whole atmosphere around the ground, like Cam Nou itself was incredible. The noise when Barcelona scored was like insane. The only thing I will say is that the away fans, we were like sat in rows with Barcelona fans and they did get to a point where I was like, I don't know if I feel great that I'm basically mm. sat next to a Barcelona fan. I thought that felt like um, maybe harking back to a different time in women's football because definitely with some of like the referees' decisions and as the game got a bit tense towards the end, I was like, ooh, this is, uh, this is like an inch. I've never really had this experience as an away fan at a women's football match where I've started to feel like a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, because um, there was but... a lot of pre-match discussion about those allocations. So I'm actually, I'm surprised that they even put Barca fans in with those Chelsea fans because... Yeah, you've only got we 150 like seats. Exactly. Like, well, how is that even... <laughs> it's really not difficult to organise that. <laughs> yeah, I guess it was such a small allocation, they couldn't give us a whole block, right. which is maybe why it was stupid to give such a small mm. allocation. Um, so it was like, we must have been like 10 to 20 rows, I guess but like only half of each of those rows, if that makes sense. And yeah. I was on the end. So I was like literally sat next to a Barcelona fan and I was at the back. So it was Barcelona fans behind oh, me as no. well. Um, yeah. in, in men's Champions League, that's not allowed, right? They ha there's like a minimum allocation that they have to give. I think this was from UEFA as well. I feel like UEFA allowed this. I never know. Yeah. I never know with UEFA because 
with FA competitions, there's always like a percentage. Yeah. But I think UEFA can kind of do what they want a lot of the time. Mm. But I don't know. It's just outrageous. Yeah, it is outrageous. Um, you've got in a, you've got a gigantic stadium. You it's can huge. Just give a, a few more. <laughs> Literally, there were like what seventy one thousand and eight hundred and fifty yeah. Barcelona fans. <laughs> <laughs> Good maths, quick maths. Um, well, on today's show, we're just going to be chatting about last night's semi final because that's all that matters, really. Um, so let's not hang about. Let's get straight into it after this. So it was a very tense game, I thought, and and I'm not obviously you felt that Jesse being a <laughs> Chelsea fan, but there it it felt very tense because Chelsea obviously needed to try and push to turn the tie around, but they knew that if they committed too many players forward, they would open up space and it would probably be their downfall quite quickly so it was like this weird awkwardness of Barca knowing that they were going to get lots of the ball but also just trying to be so smart and contained with it because they don't want to open up space and make mistakes either and then Chelsea sitting deep and trying to work out how they can pick them off but it was so hard to do that it was almost classic Barca, but they're not classic Barca in a way. Like they have those two early chances, uh, that Oshwala goal that's disallowed. And when I was having a look, it almost felt like Chelsea didn't really touch the ball until like the 20th minute in terms of actually getting a few passes together. It was just, yeah, it was, it was such a, a, a strange first half, actually, to put it. Yeah, it was, it was really strange. And I think you're right. I mean, it, did feel like Chelsea just couldn't get on the ball and nor it felt like they didn't want to get on the ball either mm. like every goal kick was just the same goal kick routine it was like everyone moves to the left side of the pitch high up the pitch and Katrin Berger kicks the ball <laughs> Chelsea don't win the ball everyone goes back into position and defends against Barcelona and at that point I was like I would genuinely be sitting with like pins pricking at my eyes rather than watch <laughs> this because it was so it felt so brutal and then I don't really know what changed. Well, I think part of what changed was that Marmielda started stepping out from Chelsea's back three because they'd rejigged the back three compared to the first leg. Um, and so when Chelsea were in possession, she kind of became, and I thought this was really clever, she became like the single pivot at the base of midfield and that allowed Loy Pops and Cuthbert to step up. And that was when Chelsea started slowly to get on the ball. But... It was very slow and it was very like lots of passing backwards. I think this is because Hayes felt like in that first leg, Chelsea just really ran out of steam at 60 minutes. And I think there was a conscious effort to preserve energy. Like I think the whole game plan was meant to be right. Like we kind of defend for as long as we can until we get to the end and then we go for it. It didn't quite play out like that, but I think that's why in the first half you saw um, Chelsea not not really like definitely not being as direct as as they were at Stamford Bridge. Um, but yeah, it was it was strange. It was strange how Chelsea again felt like they just slowly settled down, settled into the game. I think it was you know once they'd got past that first ten fifteen minutes and Barcelona hadn't scored it started to become like, okay, we're in this and we can put our foot on the ball and we can actually remember how to pass. 
Yeah, because there was the there was the onslaught in the first five minutes, and then when they sort of saw that out, things calmed down a bit. But I want to talk about the lineup and the changes as well, because both teams did make changes. Obviously, Barca had one of those forced because of the injury to Lucy Bronze. She's now had surgery, maybe out for the rest of the domestic season, probably, but hopefully fingers crossed, ready for the World Cup. So they, they have to make some changes. They also make some tactical changes. Ashwala gets the start. Um, Marona gets the start as well. Um, but for for Chelsea, the real switch was Jesse Fleming starting, who we saw Emma Hayes prefer at the start of the season. Then it kind of tailed off for her. Now she's back. And I think that was probably the real sign. Obviously, Lauren James not starting again, and we're going to get onto that shortly. But I think... Jesse, that was probably the real start from Emma Hayes that negative, I want to say maybe is too harsh a word, but it was like, we're going to be very sensible. Maybe not, yeah, sensible is a better word than negative. We're going to be very sensible in this game and I'm just going to need people to be smart and keep it simple. And that was probably what she was going for with the changes that she made in this one. Yeah, I think bringing Jesse in was a reflection that Chelsea were going to need to maybe press a bit more from the front, be willing to put the tackle in. I thought she had an exceptional game, given that she hasn't played many minutes recently. I think we really saw the best of Jessie Fleming last night in terms of not only her her work rate, which I think is something no one would deny that she's very good at, but but also a bit more of that control on the ball, which is what I felt Chelsea had lost when they took off Trankovic in the second half of the first leg. Um, I th- I think there was a recognition that, again, it, it was about being sensible. You know, it was about winning the ball back when they could. It was about making easy passes to keep control of the ball to, you know, it's that classic, like football thing like if you've got the ball the, the other team can't score and it wasn't like Chelsea were going to like play mad possession football but as the game went on you did see a greater willingness to not just like head the ball that's what it felt points that Chelsea were going to try and like head the ball all the way up the pitch like in winning like trying to win aerial duels um but it, there was obviously this plan of like, we'll, we'll kick it long to Barcelona, but we want to try and win back that second ball and like be able to take possession higher up the pitch. So they'll be like pushed further back. They're not going to press, step on and press us when we do take, when we do get the ball around our defence, around our midfield. Um, and I think that broadly worked. And the changes that Barca made actually looked like they were causing problems quite early on with that chance for Ashwala. Um, Paralewo didn't start. Um, and... It obviously comes down to the exceptional ability of Caroline Granhansen again. Um, but the goal that Barca scored, the way that they pick Chelsea apart and within four or five passes are like in front of goal is just such exceptional like transition football. And that's also, I guess, you know, it, is is why it's so hard to try and hold out is because if you lose the ball and you lose your shape within, you know, 45 seconds, Barcelona are down the other end and Caroline Granhamson sticking it into the back of the net. It's like, you know, they didn't even need to be, and there's a couple of questions on that as well. They didn't even need to be that exceptional, but in the moments that they had, they have the clinical edge with some of those exceptional players. But Mati had a, another fantastic game as well. 
that would be my frustration, I think, over two legs is that both goals I did feel came from Chelsea switching off. Um, I, you know, this one in terms of like them playing from an offside call just like incredibly quickly down the pitch, like... It's it's annoying because it's hard to concentrate nonstop for for 180 minutes of football, especially against a team like Barcelona, who are really making you concentrate. Um, but they will they will punish you for, for those errors. Um, I don't know if it's. I don't think it's fair to say that like, Barcelona were just kind of lying in wait I feel like that's there's an element of being like oh if Barcelona wanted to they could go to a different level I did I didn't really feel like that because I think last night they wanted to go to a different level and they couldn't find it because it got very very nervy you know I think now in the cold light of day everyone's like I and I've spoken to Barcelona fans who said oh I didn't really feel like Chelsea were going to score but like I will say in the ground it felt like everyone was freaking out that Chelsea were going to score again, even if Chelsea didn't get then get the clear-cut chance. Um, but yeah, I mean, Caroline Graham Hansen's she's just incredible. And that in the first half, that was her real threat because with the rejigged centre-back three, Magda Eriksson defending against Caroline Graham Hansen was Scary quite times. painful to watch um, <laughs> in terms of speed and uh, defensive ability. But I thought Neve Charles did really well again uh, in kind of supporting her there. And yeah, I mean, she she's an exceptional player and there's no, that's kind of, it sums up how I feel about this, this whole match. There's no shame, I think, in conceding those goals to Karen and Graham Hansen because like she she is just one of the best in the world looking at Barca as well this season and probably last season and how it ended in the Champions League because so many people are like expect so much of them and know what they can do and obviously saw what they did in the Champions League final to Chelsea a few seasons ago and you know both both teams have changed a lot since then but do you expect them to to find another gear in the final obviously the game context and the opposition the situation defines how they play right so you're right it's not like they deliberately are holding off and they're like oh you know we don't need to work that hard it's not that it's reading the game in the scenario knowing that we can't take too many risks because we don't want to give Chelsea the opportunity but at the same time because people know what this Barcelona side can do they expect them just to fucking go for the jugular <laughs> and I think you know do, do you think we'll see them do that regardless of if it's Arsenal or Wolfsburg do you think we'll see them go to another level in the final because of what happened last season as well because of what happened last season I honestly don't know because I feel like I've never been more certain of a football match um, aside from when I famously thought Chelsea would beat Man City in the Conti Cup final um, <laughs> than I was of Barcelona beating Leon in that ch- because to me there is just no question in my mind that for the past three seasons Barcelona are easily the best football team in Europe and you can look at results and results are what matters in football, but you can also look at what you watch and I think there's no debate even if Barcelona have so far only collected one Champions League trophy in that time that they are they have been head and shoulders above lots of other teams the problem that Barcelona now have which is what any good team will have is that over time teams will try out different game plans on them and other teams will learn from that when when they play from them I think we've we've seen teams 
make Barcelona struggle when they do press high, when they go for the ball, that that rattles them. You know, that defensively, that's probably like one of the weakest areas of the pitch for them. And part of the reason that it doesn't matter is because they do so well with the ball and they, they score so much. Um, we've also now seen Chelsea do a very like compact defensive display against them. I don't know how sustainable Chelsea's approach was, but Barcelona didn't have a ton of good chances. It wasn't like the first leg of the Roma game where Barcelona only scored one, but like they should have scored five. Um, I feel like it was pretty much fair what they scored based on what they were able to create. And historically, I would have said it's stupid to sit back against Barcelona because I just don't think you can deal with the pressure. But it wasn't just sitting back. It, it was about really limiting that midfield. Um and, you know, you could argue that Chelsea managed to do that like purely tactically because it wasn't personnel based because they were missing their two first choice centre backs. So I think the question will be whether Arsenal or Wolfsburg, whoever reaches the final, what can they take from Chelsea's displays? You know, Wolfsburg will have the muscle memory of having beaten Barcelona, even though it was, you know, in losing uh, the semi final last year overall. Um Arsenal, if it's them, will have to deal with what Chelsea did is how do you get over the kind of psychic damage that comes from having been thrashed by Barcelona twice in Arsenal's case in, in last year's group stage. So I wouldn't I wouldn't write off any team over 90 minutes against this Barcelona now because I think there's just so much more information on them and how they play. But it it's hard to look past them. Do you think they're almost like their own worst enemy? Because... The brand is so big. The expectation is so high. Alexia Pateas is now on the brink of a return. Like Her returning in the Champions League final is just, you know, it's just, it's Hollywood stuff, right? So I just feel like they're almost the, they're almost their own worst enemy in that the, the, the team that um, can beat Barcelona is just Barcelona themselves almost because crumbling under the pressure of this status and expectation to blow teams away and to play a, uh, such perfect football that you almost you know create a bit of a, uh, a rub for your own back. But I think what's impressive about Barcelona is they're not a team who are like a loyal solely to playing the like beautiful football. And I think that's something that you know it's been interesting watching Pep City and obviously like you think of Barcelona, you think of Guardiola, but you know, the way that they've developed with Erling Haaland and like being willing to counterattack more. That's something that I think Barcelona Femini have always been incredibly good at. And this is what's so frustrating about playing them because, you know, as as you said, Flo, like Chelsea, well, the first Caroline Graham Hansen goal isn't so much a transition moment as an exceptional piece of skill. Um, but, you know, to, to score in the transition here, it's not just this sense of you have to build up, you have to make loads of passes. Like when they want to be quick, they'll be quick. They're very, very good at set pieces as well. Um, I think it's important to situate what happened last year in the context of it being Lyon. And I don't feel like Barcelona have that fear factor with other teams that they have with Lyon from what has happened before to them in Champions League finals. They had to get over and haven't really been able to get over what Chelsea had to get over when they turned up and played Barcelona again. And I think it's very hard to do that in individual games because y your head your head just goes. Um, I think, you know, Barcelona also have maybe not been as good this season as we've seen them in the past, but it's, again, important to, like, situate that within their own injuries like they've had to rejig their entire midfield because of Alexia Mariona spent loads of time out I think you saw last night 
she was the player who I couldn't take my eyes off. Like, I thought Aitana was great. I thought CGH was amazing. But Mariona is just the way she finds space is one of the most mesmerizing things to watch, you know, the way she comes in off that left wing um, and her versatility as well to sort of play up top for a bit um, once Oshwala went off. Um, so I think, you know, once those players are back, you know, if Alexi is back, um, now Mariona seems fit. Okay, Claudio Pina is still missing as well, but they're, they're just so good. There's like, they're, they're a really, really good football team ultimately. And yeah, maybe it's true that, you know, when you're that good, you can kind of only beat yourself. I, I think Chelsea got pretty close to showing that that's not the case last night um, and that you can game plan and you can put them under pressure. Um but yeah, it will be it will be a really fascinating final, I think, because they will obviously want, you know, they will feel, I think, justifiably owed last year's Champions League trophy in terms of the performances they put on. And I would probably worry for either Arsenal or Wolfsburg. Sometimes our takes on this pod are not that spicy. It's just simply saying Barcelona are really good at football. That's all you can say. <laughs> um, let's talk about some Chelsea specific things next. Jesse, I want to talk to you about Lauren James again. We spoke about it on Monday's show, but it was again one of the big topics of conversation on Twitter last night. A lot of people asking about it. Amy Ruski um, of Goal talking about, you know, couldn't quite believe that that James isn't starting in these moments. And obviously from a tactical perspective, Emma Hayes may, may see it as she's a good sub to put on against tired legs, as Amy tweeted. But she didn't start last night. Do you think she should have started that game? No. And I don't understand how anyone who's watched Lauren James in recent weeks would think she should have started the game. Because she just hasn't had the level of performance necessary to impact in the game like that. I also think Hayes would probably be justified in feeling that she's not as good at following a game plan as other players. I think it's understandable why like where do you put her if you if you don't play last if you play her last night do you not play Guru Wrighton and you play her in a two with Kerr well you kind of saw that in the second half of the first leg and it didn't really work out do you take out Fleming and put her in in the midfield and play her as the 10 I don't think she's um strict enough like on the ball to do what Fleming did last night and I, I don't think she's got the level at the moment to, to, to put in the hard yards you know one benefit I guess of Fleming not having played much recently was that like she was really fresh and I think you can see that Lauren James isn't fresh now um I understand why people feel like she's the wild card player right she's the player who in Chelsea who you think god she could come on and do anything she could dribble all the way up the pitch but we've not really seen her do that recently we didn't see her do it in either of the minutes she did get in in the semi-finals and I think that's fine because these games are like bigger than ever any game she's ever played in her career she's playing more minutes than she's ever played in her career it's not unreasonable I think to to feel like a a 21 year old isn't isn't at the level that she hopefully will be one day um you know I think I I said it after the first leg but you saw with Sama Paraelu in the first leg that she struggled to get into the game. 
Um, but then I was what what baffled me more, I think, is not James starting. It was bringing Wrighton off after the goal because that's the sub that brings James into the game. But Wrighton was the heart and soul of what Chelsea were trying to do yesterday. And she was also the one bringing the aggression and the motivation and like being a leader on the pitch. And I I was a bit, I was a bit confused as to why she came off in that moment. Cause I felt like Chelsea really needed her to try and find a goal. Yeah. I was kind of surprised too. And maybe again, in hindsight, it's, it's not the right decision, but I can see why, why Hayes wanted to bring Harder on and I can see why she thought about bringing James on because that's, you know, tired legs, people feeling a bit nervy. And I felt like James was a bit better than in the first leg. Um, She definitely offers something different and I get why... I get why that decision was made even though it didn't didn't pay off. Um, Ultimately, this is what Chelsea had to kind of sacrifice and had to find hard in order to have the defensive shape against Barcelona. You know, in some ways I'm like, oh, maybe it would have been better for Chelsea to play a 3-4-3 and have James and Wright on either side of Kerr and start the game like that. But then you sacrifice a midfield that matches up with Barcelona's midfield. Um, These are the kind of problems that you come up with if you are game planning, I think, for a specific team and a team who are as good as as Barcelona. You, You have to make sacrifices in in how you play some people will feel that if Chelsea had gone for it more and and taken those risks then it might have paid off for them I personally think given how Chelsea have defended at points this season that feels very unlikely I think this was the only way Chelsea were going to be able to to get close to Barcelona and you know they did the idea that I was sat you know counting down uh, the added time at the end of the second half of the second leg is a situation I, ne- I did not think I would be in because I was like, maybe we can get something, maybe we can force extra time. I thought this game was going to be long, long gone. Um, so I feel like, it, it for me, it's impossible to say like what Emma Hayes did didn't work because I get that it didn't work in that Chelsea didn't win, but it felt like it got Chelsea so much closer than... I and I think a lot of people expected them to. Reflecting on this run as well, because Lee's asked, what can Chelsea fans take away from this run to the semi-finals and Champions League? And I also guess reflecting on that growth, because quite a few people, you know, quite a few media who are at the two legs have written about, you know, the fact reflecting on the final and the four-nil defeat, and you know, the way that Chelsea have kind of. Bridge, bridge the uh, the bridge the gap in many ways and and grown in that time period. Like, what can Chelsea take away from obviously not reaching the final, but ultimately matching up better than with Barcelona than they ever have done before? I think for me there are two things. Firstly, which Chelsea I think should have already known, but that it is that they can compete with the best in Europe. Um that might not be in a way that people want to see it. Like it might not be swashbuckling football. I've been thinking a lot about kind of Chelsea identity and and Jose Mourinho and playing crap football because like winning's what matters. And in some ways I think, you know, 
Hayes is does feel like Mourinho's heir at Chelsea. You Especially know. this season, and she's had to really get down and dirty this season with because of what's happened with her squad as well. Yeah, I think both coaches are are people who can play some some fantastic football, and both coaches are pragmatists. And I think there's been Hayes has has had a real return to to choosing to be pragmatic, um, and I think she's had to given the the injuries and and the problems with the squad. Um, and I think, you know, the other thing Chelsea can can sort of take away is this this notion that it's okay to sort of play your own brand of football and, and not to try and emulate other teams. I think sometimes that's been the thing that's felt strange about Chelsea is like maybe they're trying to play football that it just isn't how Hayes wants to coach. And I understand that some people are always going to sit there and say that they think that makes Hayes a bad coach. But like, I would just have to like respectfully disagree because being a good coach isn't the same as playing like what you term like good in inverted commas football. Like I like watching that kind of football as well. I love watching Barcelona. Um, But some there's room in football for lots of different styles. And I, I think that's what was impressive. You know, Chelsea drew like become the first team not to get beaten by Barcelona at home in like a million, million years. Um, And it's justified the way Chelsea went about doing that, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it was, what, 79 games since they drew at home last coming in 2019, which is just February 2019, which is just absolutely ridiculous. That's a really long time (laughs) not to not win a game at home. So... That is an achievement in itself. I mean, Ashna, a good friend of ours, has asked... Many, many questions. Many questions. But I'm going to go pick the least trolly one. Um, (laughs) I thought, actually, fair play to you, Ashna. None of them were, like, too trolly. (laughs) I was really expecting a long list of, like... I have to admit, I have to admit here, I did get quite grumpy with Ashna over (laughs) text before these questions came in. So I don't know if she rejected it. (laughs) She's like, delete, delete, delete in the notes app. But I think question number four, you can see it in the replies, if you want to see all the questions but question number four was if the home and away legs were swapped do you think Emma Hayes's tactics slash setup would have ended up working a little bit better because obviously across both legs Chelsea were you know sensible in the way they played but they did try and risk a little bit more at home as you likely would but I suppose yeah it actually should they have set up slightly different in that in that first game to try and give themselves a little bit more chance Hayes said afterwards that she felt they lost it in in the home leg and I do think if they'd been swapped round it would have felt it would have been different but I also understand why Chelsea wanted to stay in the game you know if if Chelsea go for it more at Stamford Bridge and they concede a second goal you don't have what happened last night so I think if they'd been swapped round maybe Chelsea would have felt like there was less to lose and they could have gone for it more at home um, rather than being a Camp Nou uh, place where, as I see in every article uh, everyone wrote after last night, Barcelona score an average of 4.7 goals or whatever it is. Um, But, you know, that tells you like the scale, that they're against good teams as well. They're like Champions League games where Barcelona are scoring that that amount of goals. But that tells you the scale of what what Chelsea had to do. Um, I think when the 
the draw came out, it always felt like it was going to be a very tough task for Chelsea to have to go to Cam Nou for the second leg. In the same way that when the Leon draw came out, it felt like Chelsea probably had a had a better chance because um, because they were at home in the second leg. And, you know, in some ways, Chelsea got like a bit of a strange parallel to win 1-0 away at Leon, and then effectively kind of managed to force the draw at home. Um, so, yeah, but this, this is the way it goes. Equally, Chelsea could look at the draw and think, God, how unlucky do you have to be? You know, we topped one of the hardest groups, probably, you know, a group with PSG and Real Madrid in. You get drawn against Leon, who oh, are the holders. You beat Leon, and then you have to play the team who are the best in Europe. Like mm. that's that's the way knockout competitions go, and that's why I think it's important to not just look at the results, but but think about kind of what Chelsea had achieved. Yes, it's frustrating not to be going to the the Champions League final, but I think everyone knew that it was going to be a bit of a miracle to um, to really push it to to get there. So, and I, you know, as I've already said, for Chelsea still to be competing right at the very end, I think is something that not many people would have given you great odds on before the game started. And it's it's important as well, I suppose, for Chelsea fans to reflect that they could still do a domestic double. I mean, they've done this many times before, so some fans may feel like, you know, it's not quite as exciting, obviously. But it's still important to them. It's still important to finish the season with something because that would be immensely disappointing for this side. How do you think this will impact the rest of their season? They've got those two games in hand, so the WSL title is very much in their hands um, and they are facing Manchester United in the FA Cup final, a team that they've never lost to. So it's looking pretty good. To you know, They could have a, a few players coming back from injury as well for those games. So would you say it's looking pretty positive for Chelsea to, to get that domestic double? You have to say Chelsea are favourites for it. That doesn't mean it will happen. What will be interesting is I think most people would justifiably feel like Chelsea have played their best in the Champions League this season. Sometimes it's felt like watching a different football team, you know, the performances we've maybe seen domestically compared to the performances we've seen in Europe, which probably also highlights how much it matters to Hayes and the team uh, in terms of focusing on that competition. Now, I guess the question will be is, is they're out of Europe. Can they take that form that they've shown and kind of apply it to make sure they get everything over the line. Um, I think you'd have to back them to do it, but, you know, Chelsea have put in a number of strange performances domestically this season. And I think we've seen that the WSL has has rarely been um, as clear-cut as maybe it's been in past in past seasons. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, with, with Harder kind of coming back, potentially maybe Kadisha Buchanan back before the end of the season, you know, even if we don't get Bright or Kirby back. Um, that was really sad seeing Frank Kirby last night. I was like, oh, man, what could have been? Um, but yeah, it's it's a funny one because obviously you want to go and, and win a domestic double and, you know, with firmly a Chelsea hat on, you never sniff at, like, you never want to pass up those those opportunities. Like, it will be amazing to win an FA Cup at a sold-out Wembley. Um, that will have never happened before for Chelsea, even though they've won the previous two. Um, but equally, I think, you know, everyone knows the Champions League is what Emma and, and the club want. And, you know, fortunately, it comes around every year. And hopefully, I do think Chelsea will qualify for the Champions League at the very least. I don't see them finishing fourth from here. 
that's good. I'm relieved. <laughs> um, well, we better let you go because you got to check out your hotel room. So um, busy day. But we will be back together as a gang on Tuesday morning, reflecting on Arsenal's second leg against Wolfsburg at home. We're also going to be going to the game on Monday as one big gang, which should be very fun. So, yeah, we will love you and leave you there. Thanks for listening and we will see you all next week. <laughs>